Hey, folks, before we jump into our really interesting interview with uh, Sebastian of Aerotune, uh, I want to say a special thank you to our brand spanking new sponsor, 4i Innovations, Inc. Uh, they came on very recently and um, have uh, helped us make the podcast. And also, as, uh, as a little incentive to you, listener, They've provided us with a discount code that uh, allows you to purchase any of the factory install options. This is, of course, where you send in your crank and the and Four Eyes installs a power meter on it at a twenty percent discount. Now the discount code is complicated, so I'm not even going to bother reading it on the air. But uh, what I will do is I'll post it in the show notes. So head that way if you're looking for a whopping twenty percent savings on your factory installed super accurate Four Eye power meter. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrew. And I'm Michael. And this is the Endurance Innovation Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Endurance Innovation. Joining us today is a guest who has been on my list of people to talk to uh, from the very, very early days of the podcast. And actually, one of our uh, one of our longtime listeners and a contributor in many ways and a great question asker and feedback giver, um, <laughs> Pierre Facompre from Lux Cycles, who you've heard on the show oh, probably about, a, I don't know, many months ago. Uh, he has been, uh, I don't want to say bugging me, but let's say bugging me to, uh, to get Sebastian from Aerotune on the show. And that's, of course, who is joining us today to talk about the Aerotune platform, what it can offer, uh, how it works, how he developed it, um, and then we'll dive into some uh, some topics of uh, aero testing, aerodynamic testing, and um, optimizing position and equipment, and uh, where that uh, you know where that whole industry is headed. Because as you know, listeners, this is one of our favorite topics to talk about. So I'm very excited to have Sebastian on the show, and uh, I'm gonna thank him for taking the time. Thanks for being here, Sebastian. Yes, thank you, Michael. Thank you that I got the invitation from you and that we have already a small talk about what we can do and uh, what we can talk about. And it was really interesting that uh, there are tons of stuff that we can talk about, about aerodynamics. And um, yeah, it's a pleasure for me to be here. And I think we'll have to be very careful to not go too deep because this is something that both Michael and I love and we could talk about it. I'm sure if we didn't have time constraints, we could talk about it for hours and hours and mm. uh, we may lose all our listeners, but it would at least, at least be interesting for us. <laughs> well, we probably have a couple that, that stay on like Pierre who would, who would want to listen yes. to that whole conversation. So uh, Sebastian, why don't we start with an introduction into... Um, what you what your background was before Aerotune, uh, and then what it was that made you design Aerotune. And listeners, just for a quick, very quick bit of context, Aerotune is an is an aerodynamic testing platform that does not rely on a on a wind sensor like a Noshio or an Aerolab. Uh, so it is um, it is entirely app based and based on the the more commonly found sensors on your bike. So this is this is what uh, Sebastian ended up developing. So let's uh, find out how he how he got there, Sebastian. Yeah, yes, thank you. Um, well, everything started because I'm so so normally I'm a triathlete since 2003 and I love triathlon and I love cycling. 
that's one of the biggest part why some, someone starts with analyzing the aerodynamic. And on the other hand, I'm an electrical engineer and I work at, um, in the developing of wind turbines. It's, it's, normally I was there for simulating and construction the drivetrain of wind turbines. And then we had already there the effects of wind fields and of the aerodynamic of the rotor blades and everything there is it's a big industry there's a lot of information out there there's a lot of numerical stuff in there and um, then already the question comes out if you know the impact of aerodynamic and if you know the impacts of field simulation of wind fields and everything else then the question comes as a rider what is the impact of wind in riding but but that was not really the first question for me because i started 2007 and i bought me an sam power meter and then i got more into the in this into the cycling world and then i saw the effects of power and uh, i tried to achieve my training with the power meter and then at the end one of my first questions was what is the impact if i'm riding this 10 watts more and what is the impact if i get lower my cda value mm -hmm. and what is the impact if i can lower my weight and what is really important because if you are looking out in the world and you see the marketing of all the different uh, companies out there everyone says you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this, and that's the most important thing, and that's the most important thing. And at the end, you are, as an athlete, you are standing in your lovely job, and you job like training, yes, and uh, you, <laughs> yep. you love that. And then the question comes sometimes, not for all, but, but the most people are looking for improvements. And then the question comes, what should I do to get faster? And I wanted to know what is the impact of training? What is the impact of aerodynamics? What is the impact of nutrition? What is the impact um, with all the kinds you can do out there? And then I started with my first um, software. Uh, it was 2012 and I made a simulation system for modeling the race time for races like Best Bike Split. Did it one year later. Mm -hmm. And um, but but at that point it was just a hobby from me. It was nothing special, but I wanted to know it. And there was some some nice nice um, values that you get out of that. So I have here some values like if you're riding an Ironman this, this, uh, in a in a time of four hours, as really really fast, then then you can improve your time with ten watts with three minutes so if you're riding pushing 10 watts more then you're three minutes faster and if you're riding five hours then 10 watts are six minutes and if you're riding just six hours on a, on an iron man then you gain 10 minutes for 10 watts and that's that's some values that's really interesting to to know what is important for you. And on the other hand, if you are talking about CDA values, and uh, well, I'm, I'm already a little bit in there, but, but that's, <laughs> that's the history why I started and why I'm thinking about how you can 
uh, go deeper into the aerodynamic testing was that one arrow point. So I love to talk about arrow points because it's much sexier to talk than 0.01 square meters. So let's talk about arrow points. That's more a value that you can handle because in all the time I saw that the people like um, a value lower than one is always a low value. So the people make no no decision or there's no differential aspect about hmm. zero, uh, 0 0.25 or 0.24 that's all values lower than one and that's not so not so interesting but if you're talking about 20 arrow points or 30 arrow points then it's much clearer that there's a big difference between the values mm -hmm. so and if you are dropping your cda value about one arrow point and that's it's almost for everyone out there possible who did not an aerodynamic job, so there's much more to gain. You gain four minutes if you're the four, four hour athlete on an Ironman track. Wow. And if you're going an SM5 hour athlete, you gain four minutes. And if you're <laughs> a six minute athlete, you gain four minutes. So yeah. it's almost stable, the gain in, in aerodynamics. And on the other hand, in the, in the past, the weight was really important. All the people talked about the weight. You have to drop your weight. Weight right. is so much important. And if you look on the Ironman track, which is really flat, then you gain as a four-hour athlete 15 seconds for one kilogram. So that's not a big improvement, even if you think about what you will lose in power output if you reduce your weight. And if you are the five hours athlete, then you gain 25 seconds. And if you are the six hours athlete, then you get 35 seconds. Sure. So that was the point. I saw that aerodynamic has a huge improvement potential if you're a fast athlete, but also if you're a slow athlete, because the aero points are the, the aerodynamic um, uh, efficiency of the riders are not really good. But at that point, I didn't know that. So I just asked myself how I can do aerodynamic testing. And then I go to the track, make track tests to improve my aerodynamics. And the problem was already there that if you're going to a track, it, for me in Germany, I live in the north of Germany, okay. the, the next track is uh, 500 kilometers away from me. So you can't go out there and do a track test and then coming back. So it's, it's a huge effort to, to get more aerodynamic. And on the other hand, it's like, Normally, we all start just with sports and no one is direct starting sports and taking a coach and do the sports. So we all love to start first with our own experience. And that was something I wanted to do myself also to start with the sport, to, to do the aerodynamic testing by myself, to learn something about that before I go to some experts and trying to improve also my CDA value with them. And... Then the question comes, how I can do an aerodynamic testing system that you can use by your own in the field and not going to the track because the track and the field is also different because of the body position in the track. You can ride different sure. like if you're doing that in the field. Before we jump into, into, the, uh, <laughs> into AeroTune itself, what I really love about the story you just told is that you, know, you come from you know, obviously a very technical background as, a, as an electrical engineer studying, uh, well, developing wind tur turbines and studying wind. And then you think to yourself as, a, as an amateur cyclist, 
how can I apply this to make me better on the bike? And that's kind of, I think that's the story of so many of us that, that fell in love with cycling or triathlon. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that really speaks to a lot of people because, you know, I, so my, my mainstay job is a coach. So it's, it's a very small gap for me between, you know, between what I do professionally and what I do recreationally, right? Like, well, how does this make me faster? Well, what have I read in this mm-hmm. paper? What is my, you know, my, my expert coach told me, uh, but for someone, you know, who's in a different field, it's always fun to see how that, um, how you can start drawing those parallels and how you can extract the knowledge and the experience that you get from your, your day job into, you know, getting faster on a bicycle. I always love those, hearing those stories. And I think it's pretty common for engineering background types to try and engineer themselves. Uh, so that's it's a common story I've heard from many people. And it's kind of how I got started in the sport because uh, well, when I started, I thought, okay, I'm not very fast. So how do I, how do I use science to make myself faster instead mm-hmm. of – I was training hard too, but it was uh, – science was the easier route for me because I understood it. And I, I figured, <laughs> okay, we can, we can make a difference here. But um, yeah, there's so many interesting things that you brought up there. Um, And it's, I mean, it'll take a little while to unpack all of those comments. But I think the first one that struck me is your comment about wind fields. Um, So with wind turbines, you're you're dealing with a lot of different winds at different altitudes and things like that. So you've got uh, a boundary layer that forms near the surface, and then you've got changing winds all the time. And I think that's the thing. That is the one variable that makes road arrow testing extremely difficult. Uh, when you look at velodrome testing, it's, I don't want to say easy, but it's easier to do with just timing and power uh, because you've taken out that variable of the the wind. But uh, this is what a lot of those other sensors try to, to take into effect or into consideration is the, the variation of winds. And it's it's very difficult. And especially where I live right now, so we had... Two days ago, we had 100-kilometer-an-hour wind gusts. Um, I don't think that would be a good day to, <laughs> good day to, to test. test your aerodynamics. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it can be a huge challenge, and that's one of the variables that you have to really yes. uh, work hard to isolate. Yes, that's true. So that's something we will, we will get into. But um, let's, uh, let's jump ahead a little bit into, into the development of, of AeroTune and more to the point of where is it today? So what is it, what is the kind of the, the mission statement of the platform? What are you trying to accomplish? I mean, you, you hinted at it when you, when you talked about giving folks the ability to test in the field and before necessarily hiring an expert. Um, and uh, also talk about, you know, high level view of how it works, because of course, listeners, if you're interested, there's, uh, there's gonna be a link in the show notes to this to this app for you to uh, for you to try it for yourself. So I tried to make an app and we have an app and we have a platform where you can do aerodynamic testing by yourself and it's for free. Mm-hmm. So everyone can use our platform doing aerodynamics for free. So there are some limitations in there, but almost you can do everything for free. And that was one of the, my main parts that something, if you have a cloud function that you can bring scientific stuff to the people for free. So there are a lot of things out there for free. And we have also a payment method into our platform because um, we, we try to live with the model <laughs> of doing yep. what we are to, what we are done. 
But uh, on the other hand, there, there must also a possibility for the people going out doing aerodynamic testing by themselves to comparison. We have a platform where you can talk about your aerodynamic testing system. Pierre, you talk, talked already about him. He's a mm -hmm. really professional testing athlete. He's really stable in his body position. The results of his aerodynamic testing are always awesome. And they are also collected the, the things he made in the aerodynamic testing so you can see the improvements of what he has tested and there gains a lot of experience we have in the in the in our platform and um, so the people have the possibility to talk about aerodynamic testing to talk about mm. what is really fast and they can see the results of the other ones and then you have a good possibility to compare your results and getting really faster and getting knowledge about aerodynamic testing. Because if we are talking about aerodynamics, then we can do it like you talked, uh, like, like you already um, said, on a high level. And then I have sometimes, I imagine that most of the people think, oh, wow, that aerodynamic is so crazy. You have to do so much stuff, so high level. And, and well, that's nothing for me. And on the other hand, you have the high results of Pro, pro athletes who goes in a velodrome and they achieve maybe one, two or three watts and uh, nothing more, then the people think, wow, aerodynamic testing is not really important for me. Mm -hmm. But that's not the true story. The true story is that the people have normally a high value in the CDA value. And that means they can really getting faster by tuning their aerodynamics. And on the other hand, it's like just start with aerodynamic testing. That's more interesting than studying all the things in the internet and reading that and reading that and that must be faster and this helmet must be faster and that the wheels must be faster and that position must be faster. Well, at least go out and test and it's easy. Yep. And that's that's more important. And if you are talking about how you what you have to do to get really high level accuracy in your measurements, then you are really on a high level. Then you are really like someone who was already 50 times on the track or on the or on the wind channel to to get the best results. And they that people are already having 20 error points or 19 error points or or lower if, if that girls girls having lower than 19 error points if they are doing the job well mm -hmm. then you have to think different about aerodynamic testing but if you have never done an aerodynamic test then there's so much speed that you can gain in in tuning your aerodynamics that uh, that is an important thing in in my view Listeners, I want to say a couple of quick things. First, uh, the arrow points that uh, Sebastian's talking about, uh, you probably have already done the mental math and figured out what he means. But for those of you familiar with CDA, which is how we typically talk about aerodynamics, so an arrow point is just CDA multiplied by 100. So it's yes. just, uh, I, I totally agree with with Sebastian on his kind of the, his psychological take that small numbers are much harder to to internalize and to visualize and to make important. And with uh, with CDA, those small numbers, as he as he quoted earlier, make a big difference in race times. So that's what arrow points are. They're just CDA times 100. Um, but also um, what I'm hearing you say, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that most riders, most triathletes, most cyclists have so much of this, you know, I don't love this expression, but so much of this low-hanging fruit, so much of these easy gains yes. in, in terms of aerodynamics that they don't need something that's overly complicated or expensive 
uh, in order to make substantial gains, right? It's like the the 80-20 principle where, where 80% of the gain can be had through 20% of the effort and it's the remaining 20% or in some cases 10% if you're chasing that that you know that podium spot maybe then you 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 take it up a notch but uh, i i think that that's a that's a lovely point and i totally agree with it a lot of uh, slower athletes will often say, well, you know, I'm doing a, a six hour or seven hour bike leg aerodynamics aren't for me, but I would say the opposite. And there's, there's two reasons I say that. So the first is that if you're fighting cutoff times, if you're trying to complete your Ironman in 17 hours, um, aerodynamics can be a huge part of it. And yes. uh, it can make the, or it can mean the difference between making the time cutoff and not making it. So I know it would be incredibly disappointing to be out there for that long and miss the, the time cutoff by five minutes. Um, but the, the thought that uh, you can make up more time, the longer you're on course, uh, you do tend to make up more time uh, for a given well, yeah, depending on how your power changes over time, uh, yeah. it can help you a little bit more. So it's it's something I would say that um, is very beneficial for the the average athlete or people who consider themselves to be an average athlete rather than an elite athlete. So I think those are the people with the most to gain, actually. Yes, that's true. And if you talk with the, with the athletes, like in the front of a race, that's not so important for them. But if you talk after a race with them and you talk to them, hey, you could also 30 minutes faster by more aerodynamic, would be that not cool? So, and, yeah. and then after they know how, how much pain they had doing the, the bicycle ride and maybe after, so you lose also their energy and the energy you don't have for the run. Mm -hmm. And uh, then if you get about that and if you could, 30 minutes less pain that could be really interesting so um so well at the, after a race you you get open hearts for that <laughs> it is kind of funny though when you look at the psychology of this where people yes. pay first of all to make themselves uncomfortable and then they're paying to spend the least time on course possible you want the least amount of discomfort it's true it's it's really yeah. funny how in how in sports you're you're trying to optimize getting the least amount of duration for the the investment that you've made into into the race fee. Yeah, it's exactly. like the opposite yeah. of what you would normally do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so let's talk about AeroTune specifically, where it is today. Um, what sort of equipment uh, do folks need to perform an aero test? Um, very briefly, how do you set it up? And I don't want you to spend too, too much time talking about it because you do such a great yes. job on the website with all the tutorial videos. But just give us a highlight. Yes, um, normally the best thing to do aerodynamic testing is to use our our app on the Garmin device. So that's it's completely, so you have all the ideas and you get a complete guide with the app what you have to do. And one other thing, the most important thing is you need a power meter. Without a power meter, you have no chance to do that. And also, if you really want um, to to get a better result is to use a speed sensor because the GPS system is normally not good enough to achieve a good speed accuracy. So right. that's the main points. And if you are going out, so normally if I say you want to do your first aerodynamic test, just download the app, just use your power meter, do a calibration job, and then start an aerodynamic test everywhere where you want, just to see how the protocol works, what you have to do, how the results are looking, mm -hmm. and do not 
invest too much time in the front of that to, to get the perfect first aerodynamic testing data. That will not happen. So normally just do it um, with your power meter, put on a speed sensor if you have the time, download the app, go out, do an aerodynamic test everywhere you want just to see the protocol. And if that had works, peace. And if you want to get feedback, just share your, your aerodynamic test in, in, in our platform. And then you normally get uh, some comments about your aerodynamic testing, what you can improve, how you can uh, do the next job. And then a tricky point is to get a good um, testing route. So there are a lot of possibilities you can go out there. Which is what I found yesterday as we talked about. <laughs> yeah, we talked about yes. before the uh, listeners, before we started the interview, we found out how important a good test route was in my in my very failed attempt yesterday at, at, uh, at doing one of these tests in Toronto. Yeah, and what we, what I can say at the end, it's it's the same problem for all the different kinds of um, aerodynamic measurement systems out there. So if you're doing outdoor tests, even with a NOTU or with an AeroLab system, you normally need a test protocol to do an aerodynamic testing system. So you can go out, just see your aerodynamic drag, your CDE value in real time. But if you really want to... Um, get a structured testing, then you need a protocol, you need a structured testing method, you need some ideas what you, what you can do, and then you can get good results, and um, then you will see how your CDA value is dropping. And for that, it's normally like in, in the Aerotune world, world, you need a flat stage, and uh, that's an important thing, and you need low wind speeds. And the best thing is that the wind comes from, from the side, not in, in the test direction. Okay. That's an important thing for our system. Then we have better a better chance to calculate the wind speeds out there. Like Andrew already told with the wind fields. So if you have too much wind speeds in the in the test direction, then you have a problem. So normally we are here in Germany, in the north of Germany, you have no problem with test routes. Everything is flat. There are no towns, <laughs> and you you have a ton of possibility possibilities to do to find a good um, testing route. Nice. So that's really depends if you live in a, in a great city or if you are living out there. But we have also people uh, testing in New York. That's also possible. It's normally there is always a small spot where you can do your aerodynamic testing, and we have two different lengths where what you can test one thousand meter and five hundred meters. Um, I recommend the 1,000 meter testing system. It's more accurate, accurate than the 500, but sometimes you have to deal with 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 the test route. And if you have no chains for 1,000 meter, then the 500 meter also can do the job. Right, and you need to tack on a little bit of distance on either end. I just found out yesterday that you need, you know, yes, if you're, if you're picking a route, it can't be a thousand and one meters. It needs, it needs to have, you know, it needs to be about twelve or fourteen hundred meters or so. Yes, yes, you need, you need some some space for the acceleration to the to the yeah. speed that you come in a comfortable in your race position, and then you are stable in your position over the really counting um, test route. Right. Yeah, right. that's true. But but it's 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 really easy. So just go out, do the first aerodynamic test to, to see how the protocol works. And then that's the first step. And then you can go deeper into aerodynamic testing. But that will be always the first step. 
Mm-hmm. What I really like about the system is that it allows, as you said uh, numerous times, Sebastian, it allows for aero testing to be not overly complicated. And we've had uh, aero experts from, uh, you know, from folks like uh, Dan Bigham, and then we had Martin Top Madsen and Magnus Ditlow, uh, who killed it in Miami recently. So congrats on that race, uh, Magnus. Um, but talking about how important testing is that, you know, you can, you can think, you know, all of these things, but until you test them, you really have no idea. I mean, there's some, some components that Magnus talked about that were, you know, we can probably be pretty safe in saying this wheel is fast, but in terms of position and kit and helmets, like those important variables, you have to have to have to test. And that's what I love about this system is that it, uh, it makes testing, not so complicated, so long as you're not stuck behind a cement truck uh, on, a, on an industrial <laughs> road. <laughs> don't yeah, don't true. do that's that's the pro tip for today, listeners. Don't do that. That's not that's not going to help your CDA calculation. Um, <laughs> so how do you how does your system compare with um, you know we mentioned Aerolab and and Nocio, uh with what they're able to do? And the reason I ask that is because you know obviously one of the one of the attractive features that we talked about in Aerotune is that it's it's free or um, you know a very affordable folks subscription method depending on what you're after. Uh, whereas these aerodynamic sensors are anything but free. They're, they're actually quite expensive and some of them are, are subscription only with very high, high costs. So how do you, how do you stack up to those systems specifically? Is there something that they can do that you, that Aerolab doesn't do very well? Aerotune. Aerotune. Aero, excuse me. Yes. Oh, something yeah, no that Aerotune, <laughs> Aerotune doesn't do very well. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no problem. All right, Chris. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I, yes. Um, well, it's like the real-time measurement system that we don't have. So, like, if you have right. an if you have an error sensor, you can go out and you see your CDA value. But at the moment, you have the problem that you have to interpret the values because. The rolling resistance works fine or not so fine. And uh, also you have the, the error on the CDA value if you're going out there. It's not so stable like the people thinking about, like the high-level testing systems in the velodrome. You see the, the, the numbers with four decimals in the CDA value. And that's all not true because you can't measure so accurate. It's not possible. And... Well, then the people are thinking that's possible, but it's, it isn't possible. Just because your your calculator shows you the numbers, it not meaning <laughs> that the numbers are true. And yep. <laughs> uh, that, that's a big problem. So you have to, to talk with the people, and they are really thinking that they are only small gains. So back to our system, what we can achieve is the same accurate measurement system if you have a good test group. It's the same possible, and uh, you already talked with Pierre. Pierre made some tests between the Note measurement system and our measurement system, and we get the same results. We get the same errors, yep. and that's almost the same. And the difference, one of the biggest difference between their system and our system is that we show the measurement error. We can calculate the measurement error, and you can see if you're doing the test good or not good. Mm. And you can see in the system and you can compare the different test routes. So if you're going into our system, there are a lot of test routes out there in Canada, not so much at the moment, but if you look- <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to yeah. change that for you, Sebastian. <laughs> yeah, and if you look, you, you see them also in the near of Aerolab. So, and, uh, but um, 
<laughs> they already did it. And uh, I, I talked a lot with Chris uh, about aerodynamic systems and uh, that's, that's fine. They are doing a great job there. And, but, but for us, it's like this, without a sensor, it's really important to see if you can measure really accurate or not. And with our system, our calculation method, so it's, it's, at the end, it's a least square method. And with the least square methods, there's always the possibility to make a calculation about your error. We have a really good working error system. So you are going out and you see your error and then you can make the comparison on our platform and you see if you're doing a good job or not. Hmm. And you can also see if the test route you have is a good test route or not. And our system is not only working outwards, so you can go with our system also into the velodrome and doing velodrome testing. That's also fine. And then you can also compare the velodrome with the outdoor testing. Hmm. But there's one thing that's make, making a difference is like if you're going to the velodrome and then you are riding like 10 laps and you see your CDA value, then you ride 10 laps with a constant body position and you never left the position. So it's if you're going down from the bike and going again on the bike and doing the test again, I bet you don't get the same CDA value. So you get an error. Sure. And the, the thing is, in our outdoor testing system, you're doing like the 1K out and the 1K inbound, right? And you have to do it uh, normally twice. So we have a possibility to check everything is fine. If the two tests, if the, if the error of the two tests are not in line, then you have to repeat the test. The system will not let you do a new setup. The system mm. says you are not stable on the bike. You have to repeat the test. And uh, so you, you have some guidance in, in the background for that. And then you can, at the end, can you say, if you have a high, yeah, if you have at the end a high error, then you can see, okay, well, the people on other, on other test routes getting better, better results, what can I do to get also better results? That's awesome. And then you have the possibility with our platform and with our community to getting really into the aerodynamic world and to learn about what have you to do to get real good results. It is a very interesting point, though, that um, not to get out of your aero position because of the variation. So even talking to some people who've done a lot of wind tunnel testing, uh, there's often like a 1% to 2% difference, even in a highly yes. calibrated wind tunnel. And yes. even within a single test, as you're pedaling, you're shifting your body or you get fatigued and your shoulder position changes or something like that. So when you were saying if you have four significant digits in your CDA value, so 0.2315, uh, <laughs> you know, that's going to change over time. That's not constant by any means. And believing it is or other companies leading you to believe it is, is just uh, misleading. It's, it's not true. It's, yes. it's changing so much. And when you start to throw in additional wind conditions where you get a slight crosswind, or yes. even if a car is driving by two lanes over, that can actually mm -hmm. have an impact on you as well because of the, the, the impact on the velocity field. So it's, um, yes. yeah, a very challenging problem. Yes. So I, what I wanted to know, Sebastian, was um, 
you mentioned error that's generated by uh, changes in the rider position and error that's generated by, you know, the, the root itself. So is AeroTune sensitive enough to pick those apart to say, this was a problem with your root or this was a problem with your position? Or does it say, okay, this was the error, you got to try and fix it. And then it's, you have to somehow, you know, be smart enough or, or, or understand enough to figure out if you were scooching around on the bike or if you're, or if the, the root itself, uh, or let's say the climate take conditions were, were not favorable. At the moment, you can't do that. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really challenging. So, so normally you can't do that. It's, it's like you need the data of the riders and we are collecting a lot of data of the aerodynamic testing. And now we are able, because we have, around 5,000 error tests into our system. Now we can start to analyze the data and trying to find the problems, what could be happened out there. But if you're, if you're thinking about machine learning or something like that, then you normally trying to do something like that with supervised learning. And then you need normally the information about the rider, was he constant or not. So it's supervised. So you know normally the right. result and then you have the data and then you can try to, to create a model that will fix that. But we don't have the information. So it's much more complicated to find really out what the problem. Normally it's like the people have a high error and then we are talking about our, the platform and the possibility that you can get comments to your aerodynamic test into the platform, then you talk and normally we get the problem out there. So it could be a problem with the power meter. It could be a problem with the speed sensor. It could be a problem really with the body position of the rider. They are sometimes so unstable on the ride on the bike that you can't even achieve a real constant CDA value. That's not possible. Got it. It's so many things. Or you're going out and then you have a break that uh, the, the, the rim brake is maybe on, 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 the, on the rim and you have um, really, um, yeah. that happens during the changing of the wheels and then you're asking, hey, what, what's going wrong? So the CDL values, the speed, everything is changing and to find something like that, even if you have, if you have the problem that you have only a, a small touch every, every um, turnaround of the, of the, of the um, wheel, you, you not every time you can see something like that and they can do so many things wrong in aerodynamic testing out there even if you have a not calibrated power meter or the rider are doing aerodynamic testing and after two hours of testing he has the idea to recalibrate the power meter and then everything is changing again so that's that's a lot of problems you can have out there in aerodynamic testing and it's not so easy to see at the end what was the problem. But normally we, we are trying to help them. And in the future, we try to analyze the data and to give a feedback direct with the, with the app that there is something wrong. At the moment, the, right. the thing is like if the, if the errors are not in line, then you have already the, the possibility that you can see that there is something not okay. That's the first step. Better step is that's true to say what's wrong, but in a world where you just see the numbers and nothing else, it's not too easy to understand what the problem out there. Totally understand. There's there's actually two points that, uh, that I want to bring up here. So the first being the number of athletes that you've collected. Um, so is there something more you can do with that data? If you have all their fit data, if you have 
uh, an understanding of how they look. And then the second question would be, uh, how do we, or how do you deal with the effects of elevation and wind? So if you've got a not quite flat course, um, or if you've got a wind that uh, you mentioned, crosswinds are a little bit better than front and back, a head and tail winds. Um, so how do you accommodate for those? Because the aero sensors that are out there, uh, Aerolab or the Notio Connect, um, those are specifically measuring the wind speed. And uh, obviously on your Garmin, uh, <laughs> it doesn't currently have that ability. So, yes. uh, so how, do you, how do you compensate for that? Okay. Um, yeah, we can maybe we start with the second question. So, what we are doing? So, the first big step, what's really important, is just to write outbound and inbound. So that has many effects. One one effect is like if you do structured testing, then you need always a starting point where you can change your things. But on the other hand, it's like if you're writing outbound and inbound, then you have normally the the, the first thing that's really good in there that the wind fields are not so super turbulent like the people are thinking. There are also time constants in the wind fields. And um, normally it's like if you're riding outbound and inbound, what we really can good do is to achieve the average wind speed during the test. But that's, and we are really close to them. So to, to achieve that and to, to find out what's good it's not so easy to understand or to measure or to, to, to get the right or the correct or the true values. What, what are the true values? So if you are riding with your bike and you're measuring the, the wind speeds on your bike, then you're measuring the wind speed on one point in the front of your bike. And there's sure. an effect of your, from your body on the wind speed measurement system. And then you're riding and 30 centimeters, 40 centimeters, 50 centimeters up over the, the PTO tube, the wind speeds are different. So that's that's one challenge. So, and now you are trying to find out the real wind speed and what's the real wind speed. So if we are trying to put on there, there was one idea. So we had a lot of um, wind sensors on, on, a, on the track. So, and you need a small... And grid system that you get achieve all the data from from the from the test route to to see how accurate can you do that. But that's also only a grid system, so it's not a continuous system like for the measurement. If you measure the wind speeds direct on the bike, you have the problem with your own body position, and so it's not the true airspeed. So how you can achieve the true airspeed? if you're riding out there. So we can't achieve the true airspeed for every like a meter, a one meter grid systems or something like that, like that. but we can achieve the average wind speed mm -hmm. because you see the average wind speeds uh, in your differential equation system because we are doing a least squares method and the system of our modeling and that's now it's really getting really mathematical so we have a simulation model about the cycling so so the 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 main part is a differential equation system of the of cycling and what we are doing is we are putting in the power values and we are simulating the, the, the speeds of the rider. And then we have simulated speeds of the rider and we have measured speeds of the rider. And then we are trying to do a parameter fit about the CDA value, the CRR value, 
and also about the wind speed and the wind direction. So normally you have, you have no chance to get the wind direction if you have a straight. But if you have a curve in, in the test route, then you can also achieve the wind direction because the impact of the wind speeds is different. And well, I know the wind is turbulent, but at, at a, a bigger time constant, if you're looking in there, it's not so turbulent like all the people are thinking. In the, in the chaotic system, there's also some reputation. Like if you're looking on the, on the wafers, if you are on the ocean, they are not completely chaotic. There is a system in there. Hmm. And uh, if you are going on the wind again, then you have the possibility with the parameter fitting system to achieve the average wind speeds. Then you have the problem that at one or the other point, the fitting system is not matching with the simulated model. And then we are using, well, that's also mathematical, a robust fitting. So we can see outliers. So, and then always the question is why we have there an outlier. Is it the body position or is it a wind uh, gust or is it something else? But the system is normally, and that's, that's a beautiful thing on robust fitting, that you can fix out these outliers. And that is normally our wind gust detection. So that works really pretty well. And I'm not sure if, if it's getting too mathematical. You lost me a long time ago, but I, I only barely passed university math. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a good uh, indicator for whether or not that was too technical or not. So I, I love the fact that you can use curved, curved tracks or curved uh, routes to determine wind direction. I think that's such a cool way of analyzing the data uh, because you're right. If it's just out and back, you don't know, is it an increase in drag or is it a change in the, uh, a change in the wind? Um, so with with the curve, though, you can see how it changes over time, and then you can use that to, again, like you said, through the regression, you can use that to determine which direction the wind is likely coming from. And one important thing is, like all the physics out there and all the engineers normally know the impacts of, of wind gas and something like that. And all of us have the, have the visions where there's an impact, you can calculate that, and there must be a huge error. But no one goes out and trying it really to see how is the impact. What, mm. what is really the impact? Go out and test it. Go out and try to calculate it. And it's like so the people are thinking, oh, wow, that's not possible because you can't calculate the, the wind speeds really. That's true. You can't do it with such a system like we we having it and because you never know how the, 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 the outlier comes out. But at the end, you have to go out and try to test it and to see how really the impact is. And I can say if you have high wind speeds in the wind direction, head and tail winds, it's not possible. Then you have in the one test 22 arrow points and in the other test you have 26 arrow points. And then, mm -hmm. you are, then your question, wow, four arrow points difference, what was that? So then our system will not work. But if you have the side winds, like Pierre is really doing a well job. He has a flat stage in, in, in a forest and there he can ride without any winds. And he has so good values that you can just say the arrow he has is just the body position and nothing else. Actually, that's another really good point is having something to block the wind, like a, a forest yes. that um, prevents any 
additional winds from occurring, that will improve your accuracy significantly, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. Sometimes you have the problem that you have really the wind in the forest. If you have the channel there, then yeah, like a wind tunnel. sometimes, a, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's a really problem, but sometimes it's perfect. Nice. So what makes an ideal route? So um, I, I understood from the instructions on your website that you wanted uh, straight routes. And now you're, you're telling me that maybe you want a curved route to, to do some, some wind measurement. So, so which is it? Yeah, normally uh, a curved road is perfect. Yeah, it's no problem. Oh, is it? Okay. But, but, yeah, but, but if you tell that to people, then they have curved road like they are doing a velodrome job. And that, that's, that's <laughs> not, that is not working at the moment. Yeah, so okay. so if you are doing turns out there, it's it's not working. But normally it could working, but it's like how our algorithm is working. So we are trying to find out the GPS position for the starting and the end point, and we are guiding them to the starting and the end point. And if you are doing a circle, then we have no starting and end point. Normally we could do something like that, but um, for the beginning of the algorithm, we decided to make an outbound and inbound grind because that fits for more people out there than a circle. Got it. Uh, what about the impact of weather? So I know that you collect uh, weather data or you ask users to input weather data during the tests. Does that influence the algorithm or, or is that just for kind of record keeping? It's it's a backup. So normally you have the, the pressure measurement in the Garmin device. You have also the speed and the temperature. Yep. The only thing what we are taking into account from the weather measurement system. So we have a weather API. So we are getting the weather from that. But if that's broken or something like that, you have the backup system that you can do it by your own. And the only thing what we are taking into account is the humidity. Okay. So that's everything because the Garmin is not collecting that. And the wind speed is almost only a backup system that we are, we are also calculating the wind speeds. And if there's a too big difference between the, the wind speeds from the weather API and our calculated wind speeds, then we know, okay, there's something not okay. And then be giving a feedback about too high, too high wind speeds or too much turbulence that we are trying to help the people not to waste their time with um, aerodynamic testing, which makes no sense in that day. Right. Sure. So I don't have to go out and buy an anemometer to, uh, to do my, no, no, no. my weather no, you don't my need testing. It. You, don't, you don't need it. Okay, so and the, 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 the other thing what's really interesting on the system is if you're doing is it with a bike feeder, the bike feeder or the coach or someone who will coaching you have the possibility to see the results live over our web platform. You oh, cool. can also go as a coach into your, in, into your athlete account. And then you, if the rider is coming in, you just direct see the CDA values. So you get all the numbers, you see the CDA errors. And if he's coming back to 200 meters to you, where you are standing at, you have already an idea if the test was fine or not fine, if you have to repeat or not to repeat. And also, if you're going to the velodrome, you have every lap, you see the data coming into the web browser and you see every lap, maybe 10 seconds or 12 se seconds after the lap was finished, you see the, the data live on the, on the web platform. And then you can make the decisions about if the, if the ride is done or not. Right. So logistically, uh, obviously, you need the Garmin uh, running. Well, you don't need it. You, you need the Garmin at least collecting the data and ideally running the AeroTune app. And then the athlete must have uh, the phone that's paired to the Garmin that's in their, in, on their person at the same time. Is that right? 
Yeah, you don't need it. Also normally you, you can put the, the phone to, to your car or where your starting position is. Oh, okay. And if you lose uh, the connection to the phone, that's no problem. The, the system is trying to send the data if the connection is um, established again. So that's that's okay. working. So you can can write without the phone. Normally, I I like it more to write with the phone because then the data is sending faster and the testing system is getting a little bit fast. You you get more speed in your in your day. Right. But but you don't need it to take it with you. And if you are on the Velodrome, you can put the mobile phone direct middle of the Velodrome, and then you can do the testing. The Bluetooth connection is normally fine for the for the Velodrome. Got it. That's really cool. Um, so one thing that we that you've touched on a couple of times that I want to really ask you uh, to interrogate a little bit is how do does Aerotune calculate CRR? And listeners, um, most of you are familiar with what we're talking about, but just to give uh, folks context, this is the coefficient of rolling resistance. And this is one of the confounds of aero testing because uh, second, second to aerodynamic drag, and, well, of course, unless you're going up a, a, a steep slope, uh, the, the rolling resistance drag uh, is probably the number two cause of, uh, of, of loss to your, in your system. So it's you know the second biggest thing that's robbing you of going as fast as you want to go. And it's really important to be able to understand what that value is to get a reasonable estimate of, uh, of your aerodynamic drag or aero points in the aerotune sense. So how do you, how do you tease that CRR value from the aerodynamic value in the aerotune platform? Yeah, like I told that we do in parameter fits. So we are trying to simulate the, or we are simulating the speeds of the rider and then we can try as we are trying to bring the simulation close to the real measurement and for that we are changing the parameters like the cda value and also the cr value and then you have the possibility to fit the cr but the problem is if you're always riding with the same speed there's normally no good chance to fit the boost parameters because it could be a combination of boost parameters and every combination gets the same speed. So there are unlimited solutions in there. So what we are doing in our system is that if you are try if you are doing the rolling resistance test, you're riding two times with your full power. So normally okay. we we make um, the, the rider should do the aerodynamic testing with the with race power so that he's really close to, to the speed he's doing in the race and trying to optimize the CDA values there. Sure. On the other hand, you have always the effect that the higher the power, the better the measurement. And so that's that's something you have to deal with. And then you have two rides with the full power of your race power, and then you are doing one ride with half power, and then you have two different speeds, and then we have the possibility to fit mm. the CRR value. Got it. And the other thing is, if you are doing an aerodynamic testing, like you are doing eight, nine, or 10 setups with 20 or 25 tests, so you have a lot of data in there, mm -hmm. and you're not changing the wheels, then you have the possibility, we have a global fitting CRR method. That means the system then knows the CRR was for all 25 tests the same. Mm -hmm. And then the system is doing all, all like always the same in least square method, trying to fit the CR value for all the 25 tests. And uh, the CDA value is it's still a very variable for all the small tests. 
for all the single tests. And then we have a good chance to, to fit the CRR value also because in the 25 tests, there's a big chance that you're not riding the same speed in every 25 tests. Right. So if the speed is changing, then we have a good chance to, to fit the CR value. And with the global fitting method, you have a real good method to fit the CR. That's that is super cool. And that's um uh that and your the system knows that you're not uh changing the wheels because you're inputting all of that stuff up front when you're setting up your your individual tests, correct? Yes. Ah, that's that's fascinating. Um, so when you logistically, when you can set up the system, you can tell the system that now I'm doing a CRR test, or you just do you just do a regular arrow test, and then one of the times you just ride at half power. How does that work? Yes, you can. Also, you don't need. Uh, it's like after each test, you have always to put one time the button to say if you want to retest or if you want to start a new setup. Okay. And just start the retesting system, and if you're then riding with half power, the system is automatically calculating the rolling resistance. That is very cool. Um, okay, so moving on, when uh, we were talking before we started recording, uh, Sebastian, you, you, you started telling us something that was super interesting, and that is how you are, um, over the course of doing testing with so many athletes and, and seeing so many results, and and the, the fact that the platform has this social component where athletes can share uh, their aero data and can get advice. Are you starting to gener- to learn some general rules for making people fast on the bike? Because this is kind of yes. like we've made people. We're about an hour into the interview, and and you know we've learned a ton of really you know for for me fascinating stuff about the the platform and how it works. But um, for people who just want to goof around and see if they can t- take some of this advice and make themselves faster. Um, what are some of the generalizations that you've you've learned in, uh, in what works? What generally makes people go faster on their bicycles? Yeah, the the most important point is the bottle in the frame on the front. Remove that; it's making you faster. Like or use <laughs> an aerodynamic bottle. Yes, it's okay. it's like so. In the average, the average impact of aerodynamic optimization is the biggest effect to put out this bottle. So because sometimes the people have a one liter bottle in the front of the frame and that's making you really, really slow. And uh, you, you can also see an effect of 4% per, on the CDA value wow. if you're putting out the, the bottle. Right. So this, is, this would be a round bottle on the down tube. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I that's always it, thought that, that those were marginal gains, that like the bottles mattered, no, but that they were, that no. they were marginal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. You, you should test it. It's really, I will test it's really, I will. An... especially I suppose on like on aerodynamically optimized TT frames. I, I, some of the newer like aero road bikes are, are building in, you know, shrouds for them to yes, move yes, bigger, yes. bigger, wider down tubes, like the new, like the new 3T uh, Aeromax. Race Max uh, gravel aero bike, which is kind of a fun bike, but it has yeah. a massive down tube to shield the uh, to shield that bottle. So probably less of an effect there, but for for skinny down tube TT bikes, I bet that effect is large. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's all. So it's always if you are seeing the people are really sitting in really good aerodynamic position where everything is really perfect, and then you see the bottle there, it's like <laughs> wow. It could yeah. be he could be three or four minutes faster just removing the bottle. So right. and if or, you are a pro athlete, three or four minutes sometimes is it's the difference between winning a race or not. Absolutely, yeah. 
And also so, so the, the, the biggest gains what we what we could achieve. So the second biggest gain in the average is the helmet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the third thing is something like the bottled, or if you're changing your hydration system to the front of your frame, mm-hmm. yeah, so that you have it in the in the handlebar. Yep. And the next thing is like to choose the right um, back wheel, like a disc that has a huge effect if you take the right one. Okay. But there's always a problem in in the statistics because you don't know what tires they had. So we are at the point. Was it the rolling resistance or was it the CDA value? So, so it's, it's not so easy to, to analyze in the statistical data where the, the uh, gain comes from. But also the, the closest is the next thing. It could be an impact, an average impact of 1.4%. And in, in the, the maximum impact we had was 4.3% from one change to the other one. Wow. And then we have the front wheel with one, 1.3% in the average and 3.2% in the maximum in, in the reducing of the CDA value. And then, then smaller, gains, smaller gains are behind you. That's, that's the equipment. But the body position has uh, more possibilities. So the body position, one really interesting thing is the, the arm pad with how close you are going with, the, with your elbows. So more close is more fast, and you get an, an impact up to 7% in the... In the um, wow, that could be huge. That's a lot of arrow points. Yes, it's 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 awesome, and uh, it's it's so you can't think about isolated about the armpits. It's always the extension and the front with your hands. It's also mm-hmm. interesting, and it's also what really interesting is. It's sometimes it's a um, it's a drop, not from your body position. It's a drop from your arm positions. So if you are getting your hands up to the to the head in the arrow extension. So there's a gain up to 8% out there. So for, for a high hand position, so there you are seeing... Yes, high hand position is up to 8%. Yes, yeah, Whoa. up to 8%. But, but that's something like you can't say it every time works. So it's like it. a 50-50 change mm-hmm. that you could be slower with a high hands position, but it's also possible that you get a gain about 8% to bring up your hands. It's also wow. possible that you're getting 8% faster if you're bringing down your hands. That's something you have really to test. There's no, there's no possibility to say that this every time works. You have to go out and to test it. And yeah. what is also a big effect is the length of your body. And the length of your body is trying to sit really, really long with the, with the long rear of your body on the, on, the, on the bicycle. And important for that is that you get a rotation of your hip on the saddle. And the most people don't think about that, but the hip rotation is the key point to get a long back on the bike. And that's something it must fit for you that you can rotate your, your uh, hips. Sometimes your, your frame is not long enough, then you don't rotate. Or maybe the pressure on the saddle is too high that you bring up your hip to the back, that you don't have so much pressure in the front. Yep. And then you have to choose a different saddle and you have to take a longer frame that you can rotate your hips, getting a really flat, long rear. 
and that's something about six percent in the in the that you're getting a better CDE value, and also interesting, but that's more more um, like you have to train for that. Like the hip rotation is also you have to a little bit to train for that, but for also sure, the yeah. shoulder shrunk. The shoulder shrunk could be also really interesting. So you're bringing your shoulders up to your ears and trying to ride in that position. So you're reducing the front area. And it's like also like up to 6% that you are getting faster. Wow. It depends on your shoulders. And the, the next thing, what's really interesting to bring you in a better position is your head position. And it's not like holding your head in a low position. So you have to try to bring your head in a really deep position. And normally you, you just, if you are in, a, in, the, in your aerodynamic position, you have to bring your head really down, relax with your head. And then it's not to lift the head, it's to rotate the head. You rotate the head in the deep position. And yeah, then okay. you, then, and after you are on the end of your rotation of your head, you bring up your head a little bit so that you can have a good look into the front. So the, the front view is really important. No one should just look on the, on, the, on, the, on the surface. You have always to look in the front. That's really important. And, but you can bring your head in a really deeper position with the idea to, to loosen your head, just bring it really down, relax, then rotate your head and then lift it up. And for sure, you're getting your head two, three or four centimeters more down. And it's like, again, three or 4% in the CDA value. And all this mix up of, of, of things, what you can improve is the difference between 28 arrow points or 20 arrow points. That's that's an enormous gain. And listeners, if you're having trouble visualizing this this head position that or this head position intervention that Sebastian just described, if I hadn't tried this myself many times, I would probably have a tough time following. So I just I'll give you some, a couple of cues, and Sebastian, tell me if uh, if I'm getting it right. But when I try to do this, I think about trying to bring my chin as close to my arms as I can, and then rotating my head up so that I can see the road. And then another way of thinking about rotating your head up, if uh, listeners, if you remember the old style long tail aero helmets, which are no longer popular for all sorts of reasons, um, trying to bring the tail of the helmet to touch your back. Like that was my first aero helmet was this like thing from Spuke. I'm probably mispronouncing it, which was like the tail was halfway down my spine. Like it was so, so long. And I remember riding with that thing. And it was like, one of my cues was I wanted to feel that tail kind of tap my spinal column. Like I wanted it to be low yeah. to my back. And in order to like, it was impossible to ride with a low head position with that helmet because you know, just the way it was built. But that's that's what we're talking about. Bringing the chin down, yeah. relaxing, and then rotating up a little bit so that your eyes can still see the road and that your uh, imaginary helmet tail is, is as close to your back as possible. Yeah. We have also about uh, more than 10 videos on YouTube to bring your body position in that. So there's ah. uh, there are some videos out there. You can, can look at that. There's the hip rotation, the long back. There's also the, the head position like the shoulder shrunk and uh, there are over 10 videos on YouTube where you can see what you have to do. And that's something in the future that, that will come into our platform. There will be a complete guide that mm -hmm. will take you by the hand 
and start with you the aerodynamic journey that you can nice. start with the first testing and then you get a level up doing the next next job and if you achieve there some better results then you come in the into the next lab trying to help you to bring you in the best position that's that's great because i mean it's it's all about education too you know if you we can talk yes. about all this stuff and if we can't help people get there then we're really not not doing a not doing a very much of a service so sebastian this has been an amazing conversation and i want to leave our listeners with one last uh, little bit to think about and that is um you know as bike fitters anyone who's had a professional bike fit before has probably heard their fitter tell them this piece of information that you know you can chase aerodynamic gains but you have to be very careful not to you know not to uh, create a meta an increased metabolic cost i mean depending on your on the on the length of the race you can the relative importance of aerodynamics versus comfort or versus you know say biomechanics and and you know power output or metabolic or metabolic efficiency however you want to think about it they're all kind of parts of the same coin um you have to you have to figure out which way you want to you want to optimize but one of the really fun things about Aerotune, and this is a new development, I understand, is that they are also working on a way to have a, a much deeper understanding of metabolism. Um, and then one of the really fun possibilities that I see is being able to do aerodynamic testing with metabolic information baked in. Because if you're riding with a power meter, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you can you can get quite a bit of um, quite a bit of data on on what's happen, happening metabolically in your body. So there's a really fun possibility to to do that. And um, in our very next interview, we're going to have another another person from uh, from Aerotune uh, who is going to be talking specifically about that style of testing and how it all meshes together. So that's uh, that's super exciting too, right, Sebastian? Yes, yes, it's so cool because. Obviously, as a question, what is more important and how much metabolic profile you will lose with an aerodynamic position and how much aerodynamic is more mm -hmm. important. And that's, that's, that's really important for you to know. And uh, we will bring that together and uh, having a solution for the riders in the future. Yes, that is really, really cool. Yeah, I've, I think it's amazing because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not about how many aero points you have. It's how long the bike leg takes, right? Like how long yes, can you, and then true. what sort of, you know, what sort of run legs do you have when you finish that bike leg? Uh, so it's, it's fun to nerd out about these, these, you know, these aero gains, but it's all, it's all should be in the service of the, the greatest good, which is in this, <laughs> at least in our context uh, of spending the least amount of time on that race course. Yeah, that's true, and and I think so. Normally, I'm I'm I did always my jobs like um, I trying to test everything, and it was always important for me to know where the the border is. So to to do too much aerodynamic and uh, getting really loose on the metabolic profile, so you have no power because you are sitting too with with too high drops. So. But it was a good learning for, learning for me. So I know my borders now and I know what I can mm -hmm. do. So I, I think sometimes sometimes it's important to see where the border is. Yeah, you absolutely. You need to know you need to know what's too far in order to understand where not to go. Yeah, I I totally yeah. agree. I think that's something that is, especially as coaches we have to really understand of like, you know, how much yes. how, you know, what are the signs of let's say overtraining of like doing too much work yes. and uh, before yes, it gets sure. too bad for the 
for the folks that we work with. So um, again, Sebastian, thank you so much. Where can uh, people uh, learn more about Aerotune uh, and sign up? And of course, we'll include all of these links in our show notes. Yeah, it's on aerotune.com. So you can go direct into our platform. Yeah, there is all the information. We have descriptions on our website. We have a complete guide for that. We have also PDF documents where a complete guide for the aerodynamic testing outdoor or, or indoor with app or without app. So you can just doing it with your Wahoo or with a different device. It's no problem. You can upload the files later, but you have, don't have the direct measurement system. Mm-hmm. And we have the YouTube videos and we have also, we are present on Instagram and uh, all the other things there. You can learn a lot of us and what we are providing to you, helping you to getting faster. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so great. It's, and it's, you know, I, I love the fact that it's, I use this word a lot, I think maybe too much, but that it's democratized training, that it's, in, that it's opening up this, you know, heretofore very expensive and, and high knowledge requiring, you know, uh, pursuit of, of aerodynamic excellence and opening it up to people who, you know, who are much more casual than, than people who would have chased this, you know, even five years ago. Um, so listen, thank you so much for, well, for creating Aerotune and then for, for taking the time today to tell us all about it. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Thank you to be in your show. I'm, it's a pleasure for me. And maybe we talk another one. So I think there's a lot of things (laughs) that we could talk about. Yeah, once I so uh, Sebastian, I don't know if you've uh, how many of our episodes you've listened to, but usually when Andrew and I uh, interview something uh, somebody who's working in a field that we're really excited about and something that we can play around with ourselves, we then get really you know we start we start doing it. You know, we we did that with yeah. the core body temp sensor and with. Uh, Bruce Rogers's uh, aerobic threshold estimate with HRV, and so I've been using those tools myself, and and we've done episodes, follow up episodes, uh, sometimes with the folks, and then sometimes just with Andrew and myself, where we talk about yeah. how, what we learned and what, what you know, as as test dummies, what we discovered in our own experimentation. So that's uh, that's definitely going to happen as soon as I find a uh, a cement truck free testing route in Toronto. <laughs> So listeners, if you're Toronto, if you're Toronto based and you know where there's a smooth pavement, fairly straight, um, no street lights, not not a lot of traffic, uh, stretch of road that I can go and bomb down, um, please send me a note because I will be in your yeah, cool. <laughs> And of course, uh, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and for spending another hour with us. And uh, if you like the show, do rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, tell a friend because if you learned something here today, chances are someone else is interested in this as well. Thanks, everyone. So I, I saw, um, Michael, you was yesterday to doing an aero test, right? I tried. So that's a funny story. It was, uh, it was a last minute thing. I was writing my questions to you. And I, uh, again, my, my whole life right now revolves around children and, and school pickups and stuff. And so I was like, huh, I have about 90 minutes before I have to go get my kid. Can I sneak in an aero test? And I was like, where can I go? Because I live, so Toronto is a big city, right? It's, uh, yes. it's a really busy city, a lot of traffic. And so it's, it's, it's impossible to find a stretch that has, especially in the middle of the day, that has no cars or few cars, no traffic lights, that's straight. Yes. You know, it's so there's one industrial area in the Portlands uh, on the shore of the lake that I was like, okay, maybe I can go there. And it was just a nightmare. Like, it totally didn't work. It was, um, 
there was construction on one of the roads and the other road, which is less than a thousand meters. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use your beta 500 meters, which I was reading about. Um, but then I did, I did one trial run and it didn't, it wasn't good. Cause I just, there were, there was traffic in front of me. So I had to slow down. And so then I was doing another calibration run and, um, it's a, it's, it's where they manufacture cement. There's a big cement plant there. So it's always super dusty. And I'm like, okay, it's dusty and gross. That's fine. But in front of me, when I was doing my second, uh, my second calibration run, one of these water trucks pulled out and started spraying okay. down the road to keep the dust down, right? Which is what they do. But he was like right in front of me. And it was like, it was a deluge of water. And that cement dust turned into like cement, right? Like it's, it's what happens when you add water to it. And so my, my pretty new bike is not, well, no, then I washed it, but <laughs> it was covered in this stuff and I was covered in this stuff. And it was like, I'm, I'm, this is a sign that I need to go home and, and abort. This is a crazy story. <laughs>